1: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, live from Liverpool. Yes, here we are then on the aftermath of semi-final one of Eurovision 2023, we've just seen the live show, what a show it was, and we've lost five of them because only ten qualified to the grand final on Saturday night, Uh, they were in the order they were announced, in a random order as we were told, uh, Croatia, Moldova, Switzerland, Finland, Czechia, Israel, Portugal, Sweden, Serbia, And finally, Norway Callum. What an exhilarating show that was. From start to finish, that was, what an unbelievable production from the BBC. Every one of those 15 performers in that semi-final put on an absolutely amazing show. It's such a shame, as always, we have to lose five of them, but wow. I'm, 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 my voice is going a bit crazy because you had such a great night. Yeah, I've got, I was am wanting to pick you up for ages on that because we were in the Eurovision Village for the live show and clearly you have had a few beers, uh, you've been singing along quite clearly, <laughs> really having a lovely, lovely time. And it was such a great atmosphere in the village for that. It really, being in that village there just reminded me what Eurovision, live Eurovision, is all about. It's been a few years since I've experience Eurovision live in person and it's just brought back every single emotion that Eurovision brings with it. It's so difficult to describe, isn't it? It is, yeah. We should say, by the way, Rob will be joining us. He is over at the press centre now. Let's head over and find out what he's up to in the press centre on this episode of the Eurofip.
3: Yeah, Rob here. Welcome to the Press Centre here at Eurovision 2023 here in Liverpool. A huge thank you to Callum and James there in the Eurovision village. We'll be back with them for more reaction very, very shortly. But of course, here in the Press Centre is where we spent a lot of our time on yesterday's podcast. And sat next to me is someone that I know you're going to be very familiar with. Hello, friend of the podcast, Zoe London.
4: Hello. I'm so happy to be back.
3: (laughs) Zoe, we have had a lovely time catching up with many friends of the podcast throughout the week thus far. We are now, of course, reacting to a very dramatic night, semi-final one. You were in the arena. You weren't just in the arena. You have had quite the experience. Talk to us about it.
4: Um, I got taken through the amazing hospitality. There was food, drinks. There was a DJ not me just saying where was my invite why wasn't i (laughs) no i'm joking (laughs) that dj was lit as well like it was really good um and it's just been a really nice vibe like people uh really excited for the show it was a great way to get like warmed up for going into semi-final ones so i've had a great night
3: um before we talk about those all-important results some very famous faces also just around the place that listeners will probably be very aware of
4: so I met Conchita! <laughs> I feel like that was so high-pitched RIP headphone users, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but the only person worthy of that kind of reaction is our Queen Conchita, who was sat right in front of me, like genuinely, watching the whole show, really like giving her full attention, just amazing. And then I got to speak to her afterwards, she was so lovely, I took a nice selfie, just amazing.
3: Who were Conchita's faves? Got to ask.
4: Um, who did she say that she loved? Oh, Sweden, of course. And she loved Norway as well. Big diva vibes. Yeah,
3: love it. Sense, love it. makes sense, it? Yeah. Makes complete <laughs> sense.
4: Right?
3: Zoe, got to ask, what do you make of the results?
4: Well, I got nine out of ten of my predictions, right? So I'm very happy with that. <laughs> um, there are a couple that I thought would go through. The Netherlands. Sad to lose them. Um, Switzerland was a great one to go through i feel like that was a surprise um who else was like a surprise one that went through oh it was serbia of course yeah um that was a real surprise and really interesting after we were just talking about this seeing your exit poll and seeing serbia come last in the exit poll and then actually to qualify is actually really interesting
3: it's it just shows doesn't it there's a whole different experience yeah. between obviously the people that have been watching this at home I'm sure the majority of you listening to this were watching it on the TV Mm -hmm. compared to watching it in the arena because there were some songs that went big in the arena that then didn't get through you know Malta for example
4: oh my gosh yeah absolutely and like I think it is really like important to kind of note the difference between how it sounds on TV and, like, Serbia had stuff on the screen, right? Doesn't it have, like, a health bar and all this, like, cool graphics? So perhaps that was the edge that tipped it through. And for us in the arena, where well, we were not getting that, we were thinking this isn't going to go through. So a completely different experience.
3: Did we see the Eurovision winner tonight?
4: This is such a hard question, Rob, because I'm like, my gut says yes. But then also I'm like, we've been in this situation so many times, right, where we feel like there is a winner. We feel like we know what it is. And then on the night, the voting audience, as we've just been discussing, completely throws us uh, a curveball and surprises us. So I don't know. I'm like, France, are they going to win? I just don't know. until I think until Saturday night. It's not going to be clear, which is really exciting because that's what we want. We don't want it to be like a one-horse race, you know.
3: Who is your favourite one tonight? Very quickly,
4: definitely Finland. Okay,
3: very very good, Zoe. I've got to ask as well, of course. You have had so far an incredible week. Euro Club on Monday. You finally got there. Yeah. How was it?
4: It was amazing. I feel like when did we first speak on the podcast? At twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Twenty
3: twenty one, and you said. My dream is to perform at the Euro Club. Two years later, here we are.
4: I know, like for me, like that really was like just ticking off such a bucket list moment. And um, But now that I've done it, I'm like, I want to do it every year. <laughs> so I'm like, please have me back. I really hope they loved it. Um, it seemed to go down really well in the club. So so I hope so. But yeah, even if I never do it again, it was really amazing. And I'm very honored to have done that, especially in the UK. So um, So yeah. Dream come true.
3: Was there one song that really went off? Like one song. Obviously, obviously, it all went off. Obviously, though. Uh, Obviously, obviously. obviously, (laughs) obviously. But was there one song where you were like, "Oh, they're loving this." I mean,
4: it's probably obvious, but Fuego always goes off, and Chanel went off. But yeah, I feel like there's probably obvious choices.
3: (laughs) Obvious, but for a reason. Obvious,
4: yeah. To us, we're like, yeah, of course, Fuego went off.
3: (laughs) Sorry, it has been so good to catch up. Thank you so much for chatting and enjoy the rest of Eurovision week. What are your plans for the rest of the week?
4: So um, I'm sticking around Liverpool tomorrow, Wednesday. I'm just going to mooch around the village and kind of enjoy a bit more of the city and what they've got going on. And then I'm heading home to watch the final um, with some of my friends We're having like a viewing party, which is going to be really sweet. So, So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it's my birthday
3: happy happy early birthday thank you <laughs> Sorry, have the best rest of eurovision week
4: thank you you too i'm so proud of you guys honestly like to see the podcast grow like this it's just been amazing so i'm really really pleased for you
3: you're adorable no you <laughs> <laughs> sorry thank you so much for chatting and i'm sure we'll speak to you soon
4: it definitely will <laughs> you can't get rid of me now <laughs> i'm part of the furniture
3: <laughs> and now let's get back to the village where Callum and james have got more reaction
2: we're here with some Irish fans who might look a little bit sad. What's your name? Amy. Amy, you're in the Eurovision village. We've just seen the semi-final come to an end. Ireland didn't qualify. What happened there?
4: Um, I don't know. It's a bit sad, we but were we were robbed. We did really good this year, but there was some amazing acts this night.
2: What, what was the atmosphere like in the in the Village tonight for the live show?
4: It was amazing. Everyone was on board for everybody's song. It was just full of so much love and so much joy. It was fabulous. What are you
2: looking forward to on Saturday now that Ireland are out?
4: I love Finland, obviously. Sweden's going to be amazing. And Austria are going to win, hopefully.
2: Thank you so much, Amy. Thank All you. Worries.
0: Appreciate Bye. it.
4: You're listening to The Euro Trip.
0: Live from Liverpool.
4: When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
3: This is indeed the Eurotrip Podcast, and now I feel like we can all take a little bit of a breath, because things have calmed down ever so slightly. There is more reaction on the way, but now joining me in the press centre, he's made his way from the village. Hello, James.
2: I'm not out of breath. I thought I was going to sound out of breath after that walk. It's not such a long walk, actually, this, with Eurovision being in Liverpool, it's so compact. But yes, I've made it to the press centre, uh, where it's not as busy because a lot of the press are still in the press conference room.
3: Yes, so the press conference, of course, is where all of the qualifiers are. They're all answering questions from the press. But we thought we'd take advantage of a quiet moment, <laughs> didn't
2: we, to, to sit down and have this chat for the podcast. What was it like in the village? Yeah, you heard us uh, chatting in the beginning. It was such a great atmosphere in there to be able to watch the show with so many other Eurovision fans, but you could also tell there were so many, as, uh, as they get called, locals uh, who aren't Eurovision fans uh, year-round, who were really, really embracing it, really, really enjoying the time, um, watching a semi-final that probably a lot of them wouldn't have watched in the first place.
3: We've already heard from Zoe London, and we've already heard from a very disappointed Irish fan, of mm-hmm. course. What did you make of the results? Because for me... I think they were pretty much what we were expecting. But there were still a couple of surprises. I think for me, Serbia, were we expecting that? Of course, we saw the first Eurovision audience poll, which came out overnight on Monday, which had Serbia in last
2: place. And Serbia are in the grand final. That's the thing with. That's the thing with exit pools and that sort of thing. They're never going to be a 100% true, accurate representation. So yeah, I think a lot of us were maybe surprised by uh, Serbia uh, getting through. Uh, Switzerland was an interesting one that we saw did make it through. Uh, But we've got to have a word on the likes of Norway and Finland and Sweden all getting through as expected.
3: Yeah, all of the Scandinavian countries through. And really interestingly, Finland and Sweden, the two big favourites this year, both drawn in the first half of the grand final.
2: Yeah, another favourite as well. France is going to be performing in the first half. We found that out a few days ago. So that first half is jam-packed with favourites. Uh, Lorene was a huge favourite, I should say, in that Eurovision village. Just the reaction she got, even before she performed on stage, was huge as it was for Finland too. I've got to tell
3: you a story. So actually, I did manage to sneak into the arena for the show tonight, which was incredible. But the woman next to me, she was obsessed, right? Not with Lorene's incredible performance, <laughs> but with Lorreen's nails. <laughs> it was incredible. So she saw the VT, of course, of Lorene backstage before the postcard. And then, obviously, she sees Lorene on screen as she's performing. And her main question
2: was, how does she get the nails on? And how does she get the nails off? (laughs) And I was actually seeing some pictures online, some videos of Mae Muller as well, who's got tremendous nails. Tell you what, if you're doing nails in Liverpool this week, you must be doing a great business. I know, I feel like me and you aren't particularly qualified
3: to talk about it, to be honest with you. (laughs) But yeah, I think you're definitely right. We have to talk about Finland. Carrier, huge fan favourite for me in the arena. They loved it.
2: Was it the same in the village? Absolutely. There was another one of these performances where the crowd was going crazy Even before his postcard had started. So that gives you an idea about how much of a reaction he was getting. And again, we mentioned that audience poll that came out overnight on Monday. He got almost 50% of the votes from the public inside that arena. So he's clearly the big runaway fan favourite at the moment by the looks of things.
3: Well, you can probably hear behind us the press centre is starting to fill up again as the journalists flood back in after that press conference with the 10 qualifiers from tonight's show. I think
2: Callum's catching up with somebody else, though, so let's head over there. We're going to get some reaction to perhaps uh, perhaps a surprise qualifier from tonight's show, but a very pleasant surprise qualifier. That is Switzerland, and we're going to speak to Florian from Eurovision Club Switzerland. How are you feeling after seeing your home country Switzerland qualify for the grand final on Saturday?
5: Yeah, hello. Uh, I'm really, It's really amazing because uh, it's the fourth time we qualified for the final since 2019. And it's really a pleasure for Switzerland and for the music scene. And uh, they're really happy at home because uh, we are... They are not um, believed uh, we had qualified with the with the ballot because it's a, it was a very tough uh, semifinal with uh, Sweden, Norway, Finland. But uh, we did it, and we are very very happy for that. Yeah, but I, I think we made place eight, nine, ten at the borderline for the final for, uh, for to qualify.
2: I think a lot of people would have said uh, Switzerland were an underdog. People. Wouldn't have necessarily said Switzerland were going to qualify. Did you believe that Switzerland would qualify for the final?
5: Yeah, I believe it, yeah, because um, th- th- um, Remo has a really good vo- uh, voice and um, the matches it's also strong and um, it's an uh, anti-war song and um, uh, he deserves to, to qualify because uh, he's in the same region, It's 20 miles uh, kilometer from me and um, it's, I've, uh, I meet him in the airport and I give you some angel for, for, for the to bring him luck and uh, yeah. It, um, it done it.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, Remo gave such a such a powerful performance, yeah. and we've seen that he's drawn the first half of the grand final. So he's going to perform in the first half of the grand final. He said his lucky number is eight, so I think he might want to perform in the eighth slot. What do you think he can achieve performing in the first half on Saturday night?
5: Yeah, that's true. Eight is uh, his uh, lucky number, and maybe he will. Um, Um, some good plays hopefully he will make top 10 with the jury and hopefully also um, top 15 with televoting he will i think he will not win uh, with um, with his song but hopefully a good placement with um, yeah
2: his song awesome thank you very much for joining us
5: thank you very much thank you
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at slash host. You're listening to The Eurotrip, live from Liverpool.
4: When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
2: Lovely there to get a bit of reaction from Florian from OG Switzerland on their qualification to Saturday's Grand Final. I mentioned qualification, we were expecting to see something a little bit different on our screens on Tuesday night, as we found out recently that they were going to announce the qualifiers in a different way to as we used to. Yeah, the
3: presentation was going to be very different, wasn't it? That's the big story of the week. We were going to see all of the artists stood on stage before we had the qualifiers announced, and then one by one, we were going to get them announced, different camera shots, then they were going to get interviewed backstage, a lot of focus on the artists and that real pressure point moment of are they in, are they out? And then, immediately almost after the very first dress rehearsal of the show, of the first semi-final, they then decided they weren't gonna do that after all and they were gonna revert back to the old system.
2: Yeah, it was going to look a lot different. Very BBC, very SVT and and Melfest as as we've become accustomed to. But as you mentioned, on Monday afternoon after that first dress rehearsal, the EBU announced that they were going to scrap it. They were going to reverse their decision and go back to the style that we were used to.
3: So if you want to get reaction to that news, and if you want to hear more about the story and you want to get to the Horse's mouth? Is that right? Is it horse's mouth? I guess it is. Uh, Maybe Martin Osterdahl wouldn't want to be called a horse, but we get what you mean. Martin Osterdahl, (laughs) if you're listening back to this, knowing that you're on this episode, apologies for calling you a horse. Which is a funny way of introducing Martin Osterdahl. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant to chat to the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest here in the press centre earlier on today. He doesn't give many interviews, as you know, so we tried our luck. We said, Martin, do you fancy a chat? And thankfully, he said yes. And here's what happened. Martin Osterdahl, Executive Supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. Welcome to the Eurotrip.
6: Thank you very much. Welcome back, I think it is, right?
3: It is welcome back to the Eurotrip. Martin, I have to tell you, your voice is on every single episode we do. Because just before we start the episode, you hear... Hello, my name is Martin Osterdal, the Executive Supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest, and welcome to the EuroTrip. Well, great. I didn't actually know that. I, sh- I should be
6: checking in more often on you guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Martin, it's so great to catch up again. I think the last time we spoke to you was, I think, just before the contest in Rotterdam. A very, very different event to, of course, what yeah. we're seeing here in Liverpool. What are you making of the event here in Liverpool? You've been here, presumably, for a couple of weeks now. How have you found the whole thing? Because it seems like this city has embraced Eurovision arguably more than, than any host city we've seen previously.
6: Yeah, I think, I think that's right, at least in the, in the last couple of years, but it's also very different. And when you say Rotterdam, I immediately, you know, my mind is transported back to what it was like in those days. And, you know, we've had a couple of really difficult years with, with, the, with hosting the Eurovision Song Contest. But, and in Rotterdam, I, I remember you used to wake up every morning thinking, where is it, where is it struck now? You know, who is infected today? With with the you know with COVID nineteen and of course that affected that event a whole lot and the city of Rotterdam really didn't have the chance to to put on the city event that they had planned which is a great shame uh, but Liverpool yeah I mean we felt that from the first moment we, we set our foot our feet here I should say uh, the city here has the enthusiasm it has the ex- experience the expertise and they 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 showed that they really wanted to embrace this fully uh, and uh, I believe they're making the most of it.
3: Of course, you were touring the UK last year when the host city bidding process was open. Has Liverpool lived up to everything you were expecting when Liverpool were awarded the host city? Have they surpassed it? Are there things that they promised that they haven't quite been able to do? How have things gone from that perspective?
6: No, they've they've certainly delivered and and in many ways surpassed our our highest expectations. And what I'm particularly happy about is that they have been... You know, listening uh, to us, and when we try to explain the complexity of this event and how and the scale of it, you know, it's it's, and especially because we we haven't been in the UK for 25 years, it's it's difficult for people to understand how big this is. This has become, and and why we need so much space and why we need it for such a long time. Um, and you know, uh, that was difficult in the initial stages to get everyone to understand that. But but Liverpool showed flexibility, and they showed they really wanted it, and. Uh, yeah, here we are.
3: We mentioned at the, the start of this interview that, of course, you know your contests so far have been Rotterdam and have been Turin. Both COVID kind of you know, restrictions have been involved to, to a more or lesser extent. Liverpool seems to be the first Eurovision event in your role that things are back to normal, whatever that is. So how does that change your role? Has that allowed you more time to focus on other elements of the show, for example, in the organisation?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I I have been involved in many Eurovisions before this role as well. As you know, I produced it twice and so on. So, but yeah, I think this is sort of back to where we should be. Uh, and it's great that we are, uh, which, you know, enables me to meet people, <laughs> which I couldn't do in Rotterdam. You know, I could hardly see the delegations, which was really difficult. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, um, this... This is back, I don't know, back to normal is hard to say, but it's, it's I think, what, this is the Eurovision song contest we've been longing for again.
3: Can we have a quick chat about some of the changes that we're seeing this year? Of course, we're speaking earlier in the week when the semi-finals are taking place. Semifinals vote only this year. Do you mind just talking us through a little bit more the, the reasons why that change was made and how you're hoping that will improve the competition?
6: Yeah, I mean, my, one of my most important responsibilities, is, of course, is towards the audience and make sure that we have a, a good and valid and proper result in voting and to, and to protect the integrity of the song contest. That's, that's what I probably have closest to my heart. And I think that's really important. I think when we do, when we look at, when we ask people and we do market research into the brand and the contest and what it stands for, we know that that's a very important thing. You, you have to be able to fully trust the result. You have to be able to... Uh, um get the right winner at the end Um, and i think we've done done that really well we had some problems as you very well know in turin last year uh, with the jury voting and i felt that was uh, something we needed to address looking at the um, historic voting patterns um, it had become less and less relevant to have the split between juries and televoting It was more of a difference before. Uh, If you compare the the results, it's actually not a huge difference. So, you know, we thought maybe it's time now to give even more power to the audience. Uh, And it's not new, as you you know, we we did this a few years back as well. And I think that's good. But I also like the fact that we keep the combination for the grand final uh, of jury votes and televotes, just to make sure that we have, you know, uh, a Eurovision winner in line with with tradition
3: that combination as you said remains of jury and televote for the grand final is there a world in which we could return to 100% televote in the grand final in the years to come
6: yeah we'll see i mean i I, i'd like to take it step by step um and, and we always review the rules the entire rule book of the eurovision song contest on an annual basis so if we try something out one year it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be like that forever
3: hopefully as nice as it was to see you on tv as much as we did during the grand final hopefully we won't see you as much in 2023
6: Uh, I shouldn't be on camera um, more than necessary that's not a good thing
3: and Martin very quickly I've got to ask you about a change that we were potentially expecting to see in the semi-final which was the way in which the qualifiers were due to be announced we were going to see a bit of a change in 2023 we're reverting back to the uh, the presentation that we've seen in previous years what's the thinking behind that
6: well the thinking behind that is just that every year the host broadcaster and the producer wants to try new things. We also, from, from my side, we want to work with creative development of the shows. I think it's really important to keep, keep the show contemporary, to keep it relevant. And, uh, you know, we usually say that we want to tweak uh, 10% every year of, of something. And the, the BBC are great producers. They've done so many great shows. They've, they've got some great ideas for this year. They've made a lot of great improvements already. Uh, We felt when we tried this out that it was not an improvement, Uh, so the decision was not to do it.
3: What was the reaction from delegations to the proposed change and then the...?
6: To be honest, I never actually got to hear any because we made the decision really quickly after that first dress rehearsal.
3: And final question from me, Martin. It's got to be about the desk because we always see the desk in the arena. We've seen it in Rotterdam, seen it in Turin and we see it here in Liverpool. We were in the arena last night. Looks very impressive here. How, do, how does the furniture compare in 2023?
6: Oh, I, I have no complaints. I mean, it's it's so bling, that scrutinous desk, I'm all, all, almost blushing. Uh, and I have a very, very comfortable chair, which is kind of them, because I've had some back issues. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy up there.
3: Martin, it's been brilliant to have you back on the podcast. Let's not leave it two years until we get you back on. Thank you very much, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the week. Thank you.
4: When you are in listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
2: So there he was, the return of Martin Osterdal here on the
3: Eurotrip. Yeah, nice that he remembered that he was on previously. <laughs> I know I said that he doesn't do many interviews, but I didn't expect that he'd remember that he'd spoken to you, I think it was. In April 2021?
2: Yeah, it was back uh, just before Rotterdam. So great to welcome Martin back, great to get the the full story about that decision to reverse back to that previous method of announcing the qualifier. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea about how it all came about.
3: And also, a very interesting line from that question I asked him Could the final go 100% televote in the future?
2: Wasn't rolled out, was he? We'll have to wait and see, maybe. uh, In a few months' time, we'll have a new announcement for Eurovision 2024. Don't get ahead of yourself.
3: We've still got one semi final to come tomorrow, at the time you listen to this, on Thursday. And, of course, the Grand Final on Saturday. And our coverage here from Liverpool
2: continues tomorrow it does indeed we'll be back with you tomorrow as in Thursday uh, to preview semi-final one we've got an episode on Friday for you and Saturday as well still a very busy week from us and plenty of big guests to come your way too yeah Callum
3: I'm going to give you a challenge here you have to tease one of the big guests that's coming up without telling everybody who
2: exactly it is and he's got to choose who it is Callum give us some words do you just want one word to sum it up one big guest to come chicken That is not what I was expecting, but that'll do. Well, stay tuned sometime later in the week to find out who that is and what they're going to be talking about. (laughs) Uh, As we say, episodes coming your way over the next few days Uh, in the meantime don't forget to keep in touch with us online we've got loads coming your way across twitter instagram and tiktok we are at eurotrip podcast there you can also email us hello at eurotrippodcast.com and read all of our exclusive stories uh, on eurotrippodcast.com as well make sure you subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars from me james it's goodbye from me rob it's goodbye and from me callum it's goodbye